All the Lonely People. Written and produced by me, Jason Nelson. Chapter 7 As things between us grew more serious, we began contemplating our living arrangements. At that moment in time, it didn't make much sense due to our commutes. One of us would lose and neither of us were fan of a long drive stuck in traffic. For me, it was a lack of productivity that occurred. For Veronica, it was the added stress of being stuck in traffic and the increase in the probability of an accident. Usually, after a long week of early mornings and late nights, the weekend was ours to spend together. One day, usually Saturday, we'd spend the time indoors, shut off and decompressing from the noise of the world. Most of that day would be spent conversing or sitting side by side or listening to music. It began an educational period. Veronica tutored me on the intricacies of the female psyche. When I told close friends about this, there was typically a joker commenting that she was teaching me how I was always wrong. It wasn't so much about how I was wrong, but why I was wrong. I considered myself pretty self-aware, and with that came an awareness of my many faults. She helped me improve things I could improve while embracing those faults that were unique aspects of my personality. Veronica, more than anything else, made me aware of my lack of empathy. While she didn't necessarily teach me to be more empathetic, she at least built in me the notion that I should consider empathy, or, at the very least, the act of portraying empathy in my interactions with others. For her, I introduced her to the neo-geek culture of our generation. It was a well-balanced meal of indie films and comic book movies, novels of time-traveling romances or fantastical world-building, small-batch whiskeys and regional craft beers. During this time, there was an album I knew by heart. It was a type of album that I always recommended when people asked what type of music I listened to, and the type of album that you had to listen to without distractions. Lights turned down low, noise-canceling headphones, and the volume turned up comfortably high. If a certain green bud was involved, it made the experience even deeper. When I played it for Veronica, I had to tell her to be quiet a half-dozen times before she listened. She wanted to know about the band, what else they did, were there any songs on the radio, what the songs were about... Just listen, I told her, and she finally quieted down. Mallets on a bass drum softly define the beat. A cello starts a low whine. A guitar soon joins before a piano starts playing the melody. It was a love story about the loss of love from a relationship gone south. The story was sad, but in the end there was hope. I could hear enough through the headphones to know where she was at in the album. Her eyes were distant, absorbing, listening to every musical note and lyrical word. There were moments when her eyes would focus and meet mine, and I know just by that look what she had experienced. 
There were so many times in the not-so-distant past when I would be caught up and carried away from our experiences. In the age of technology and the streaming experience, there was an endless stream of distractions. I missed moments like this. Moments where we were connected through a shared experience. Sundays were usually reserved for the outdoors when weather permitted. We would hike or ride bikes, spending hours in the foothills. Some nights we would spend underneath the stars. By then the city was quiet. In the right spot you could hear the hum of traffic on the freeway. We'd look up, speculating what we were seeing in constellations, sometimes seeing the slow trek of the space station across the night sky, and on one rare occasion saw Venus setting between the ridges of two nearby mountains. During the summer you could hear the buzz of insects, the rustling breath of air through the grass and trees, the croaking of frogs in the distance. Sweat was a beautiful thing during those months. In the quietness under the stars, you could feel perspiration building and sliding down your back. On some Saturdays, to do our part for the climate, we wouldn't turn the air on in the apartment, and we'd spend most of the day in bed. She'd lay on her belly, reading, and at times I would catch a single drop of sweat emerging from her hairline. My eyes would chase it down her neck, down between her shoulder blades, until it disappeared under her shirt and my imagination took over. It's strange remembering those moments now. Most of the memories I have of us being physical involved her initiating the contact. Veronica thrived on physical contact. If we fought, and we did, she would want a hug or to be held, but I would remain emotionally and as physically distant as I could. I love you. We're standing in the kitchen. Her back is towards me as she stands by the sink rinsing some berries. She turns, smiling, shaking the water off a double handful of strawberries and blueberries. Why? she asks. She sets the berries in a bowl, popping one in her mouth before handing the bowl to me. This declaration of love was a game we played, and one that I was horrible at. Isn't being loved enough, I answer. What do you love about me? She repositions the question. I pause too long and she smiles, the corner of her eyes crinkling slightly. I love that, I say, reaching out and brushing her temples with my thumb. She leans into it. Veronica's eyes wrap around me. The strap of her tank top was covering my favorite mole so I move it, kissing the spot. I love that you're avoiding the question, she says, shrugging her shoulder, moving the strap back into place. I love that you accept me for who I am and my declarations of love for what they are, I say, smiling. She gives me the look that says that I'm in trouble, but then her eyes begin to crinkle as her pursed lips become a smile. I think a part of me believed that throwing around the words I love you cheapened the meaning of the words. It had to be something that was meant to be said, rather than casually weaved into a conversation. 
As our lives progressed together, my rules around those words became a habit. For some reason, I thought that my outward actions demonstrated enough, so the need to say it wasn't there on a regular basis. There were moments I felt like I should say it, or that I needed to say it. There were moments when I felt so overwhelmed by the feeling of love, but felt awkward voicing it. I became comfortable in my role of being the one in the relationship who didn't say it. Towards the end, Veronica held Eleanor next to her on the bed, telling her over and over again how much she loved her. She looked up, and her eyes met, and she mouthed the words. I kissed her on the forehead, feeling the need and the desire to say the words. My throat constricted, and they wouldn't come out. And then she was gone. She slipped away before I could tell her that I loved her one final time. All the Lonely People is written and produced by me, Jason Nelson. Original soundtrack and composition by Tone of Just Tone Music. Sound editing by Brian Kaler. This show is made possible and ad-free through your contributions. You can support us at patreon.com slash people. You can also purchase our ebook on amazon.com, as well as our soundtrack through iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite player. Spread the word about this podcast by following us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for All the Lonely People Podcast. Leave us a review on iTunes. Share it with your friends. Tune in next week for another chapter. And remember, don't be lonely.